Yeah, I'm going to go number one. You're still out. Welcome, everyone, to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start yet another conversation. I'm joined here in studio by my co-host, of course, Jonathan Teal, Scott Gersh, you know me, the host, Keith Needham. Uh, guys, how are we doing here on a Monday evening? Uh, this is the aforementioned Jay Teal, doing great. I love how you self-identify there on the on the audio. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's difficult, the folks out there in podcast land they don't want to get us confused right exactly you don't that, want, that, that's don't the, want that's to be the voice of scotty g that's, right yes too many bad takes coming from that side of the table <laughs> really uh good to be with you as always Mr. i'm Gersh. jacked i'm jacked this week i'm really excited for uh what's coming up so am i so am i what really happened over the weekend so yeah lots uh, to talk about lots to talk about the uh, bloodbath uh, down in Bay Hill. We'll talk about that. Uh, mixed up the intro a little bit on you guys there. You got a kick out of that. You guys didn't know that was coming. Not not necessarily an official endorsement from our guy, Logie Mack, down at OU, but I uh, got a kick out of that uh, from a couple weeks ago, right? When we were, we were good, good uh, fortunate enough, I should say, to interview him while he was down in Puerto Rico there. We've got some Puerto Rico talk, right? So yes, uh, more good. OU connections uh, with uh, Mr. Goderup down territory. there. Yeah, yeah, making a uh, a good showing uh, for uh, for himself down there yet again. But uh, we need so to much warn to people about. that this has uh, the makings of a mega of a megapod. Well, we I, I think I think the, so. Check, check the show notes for yeah, yeah, uh, you know, certain marks of the show. If you're interested bumping in up against things. ninety minutes now, it it is the unofficial, official, unofficial fifth major, right? So maybe maybe we can get away with squeezing out an extra forty minutes on the pod here. Lots to preview this week, right? Absolutely. People uh, people love the their players' championship arguments. The arguments. Oh. The and debate is hot and heavy. One. Yeah, the debate wait. is hot and heavy. Going to get into all that and so much more. But, of course, before we get into all the hot golf talk, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to show some love to our primary sponsor. And, of course, we are talking about Chalk Luxury Sports Bar, of course, the YSO podcast championed by Chalk. And we've got, got kind of a big announcement, right? It's a, we're foreshadowing, but major Mondays, getting right? That's what we're going to call it, right? We're now, getting out ahead of it. doesn't we start are. tonight. We're recording this here on Monday night. TPC, not an official major, but a month away, we do have something big coming up, there, don't we? There you have it. You know, if there wasn't a, a more ringing endorsement. We've, we've made the call right we, there. We've made, we've made the call at least for 2022. Fast forward to the next 25 minutes of the podcast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Major Mondays, uh, starting with the Monday before the Masters, come join us at Chalk, 4 p.m. to 5.30 for happy hour drink specials, for giveaways, big giveaways uh, for those in attendance. Uh, Looking forward to getting that tradition started again the Monday before every major. Again, starting with the Masters, I believe that is Monday, April the 4th. Check your calendars. I could be wrong. 4 o'clock to 5.30. As early as next week's podcast, we'll be able to announce uh, some of the things we will be giving away. Free stuff. But again, we are coining the Major Mondays at Chalk before every major in 2022. Got to be there. Absolutely. 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow them online at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. Always the favorite. That is Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Well, Well, boys, obviously we have to get into it. Bay Hill... Uh, it uh, it was quite a doozy over the weekend. My goodness! So scores were 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 pretty good on Thursday. The opening round, 
Roy McElroy, which we'll get into him a little bit uh, here as we get going. Uh, shot a uh, seven under to open things up, and then, man, it got progressively uglier and tougher from there. But uh, kudos to Scotty Scheffler, right? Scotty Scheffler. Scott, Scotty. Scott Scheffler. I mean, Scotty. Yeah, he's a man now. He's a man put now, some right? Respect so respect on Scott, his name. Number two. Yeah. Two Number wins. Two. two is in his last three starts. Is that right? I was kind of calculating up. It's waste management, right? Four weeks ago that he won waste management. Yeah. He's the only other start in between. Yeah. Would have been Riv. Oh. So two out of the last three. Moves to fifth in the official World Golf rankings. How about that? Pretty awesome. Uh, I love. You know, it's kind I of like it. a just just hang on for dear life <laughs> situation. He but did I, enough, right? Did enough. I mean, and he scrambled. I mean, there was some scrambling by Scotty there just to save par, just to stay in it, um, and then I guess did enough down this down the actual stretch to win the thing. So uh, great for him. Uh, it was great to see somebody kind of up there that's been around. I know he necessarily just won his first one, I guess, but uh, he's been around, did the Ryder Cup, was good in the Ryder Cup. Um, just good to see kind of maybe a little bit of a power name win the thing. Love the yeah. leaderboard come Sunday. You know, you had Hatton around there. You had Victor. Uh, Gary Woodland has been around. You just didn't have like the no offense to Tom Hoagie, but like the you know the Hoagie kind of just sitting up there to win. Tom Hoagie, I'm not afraid of um, offending Tom. Yeah, so I mean, it's respect like respect on his name. Just liked seeing you know sitting up there with chalk with you guys, kind of getting you know on Sunday getting excited for the the stretch home uh, to see who was going to win the thing and the names that were in it was just it was fun to watch. Yeah, it was a bloodbath, man. Yeah, yeah, and it was. Yes, and to see, was. you know, Scheffler shot a one-under on the back nine, and he parred the last six holes, which we were watching it. It's absolutely amazing that he was able to par out, yeah. uh, given you know, both the conditions, but given the fact that he was all over the place off the off the, the tee, man. The driver was all over the place. 15 and 16 in particular, he hit very poor drives and was able to scratch out pars uh one with probably like a 30 foot kind of bomb on 15 uh and then uh he got like up and down basically um from 130 yards to save par on 16 which is a par five and then kind of does what that kind of golf requires on 17 and 18 which is hit it you know 40 feet from the pin on 17, damn near 90 feet on 18. Yeah, that putt, uh, the first your, putt on 18 was pretty impressive. Make your two putts. Yeah. And, you know, it's like sitting there and watching it with you guys, I was, like, getting really into it. It felt like a U.S. Open. Like, who's just going to do just enough to kind of get this thing to the house? The lead started off the day. I think it's 7-under, 5-under wins it. It was as high as 9-under at one point during the weekend. Uh, there was a time where we thought three under might be able to get it done. <laughs> and I, you know, there was been a lot of talk about, is that fun to watch? Is it entertaining? Blah, blah, blah. I think that in doses, like it's awesome, right? What I want to, yeah. what yeah. I want to watch that every week where it's like, if you're a foot into the rough, you might as well forget about it. Yeah, maybe yeah. not. I don't but know. just, just like we talked about waste management, like that was an awesome, like, one week, everything's kind of zany and crazy, kind of vibe, you know, experience Party-ish. for the weekend, like something like this. I'll I'll take that, you know, occasionally as well. You normally see it at a U.S. Open, yeah. Um, but there, not everybody, not all the tour pros were very uh, yeah. I don't about it. I don't like agreeing with you a whole lot, but uh, I have to agree with you on this one. Is I do every once in a while like seeing these 
elite awesome golfers kind of struggle. Um, but I do also like seeing the 23 under just dominate a course. Um, so, but yeah, you know, here Bullshit. and there, little putting contest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's just like, John Rom. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I like seeing those guys struggle a little bit and I got to give like how he parred a couple of those holes, Scotty, that he was like behind a tree and like topped it and hit it like 12 feet further yeah and then the ball that i think his feet were in the sand the ball was above his feet and he like almost fell like he kind of slipped duff that one and to be able to par those holes to stay in this thing um great job by him yeah impressive we we just assumed that we were gonna get gonna get a playoff right so at uh four under there and uh our man uh scotty scheffler denies us of it, see, I, I just, you know, I'm not going to play it. You can't, I'm not going to play it. play it after your own no. saying. Sorry, no, no, no. I was looking I gotta, for I it. I was looking uh, for the butt. Keep the listeners don't, on don't their toes. Don't cheapen it. Don't cheapen it with any. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I well, I mean, one one other fun stat I saw of note, guys, on Sunday, there were more players that shot in the 80s than there were that shot under par. Only four guys shot under par on Sunday. Most of those guys outside of T-Rail Hatton, uh, went out pretty early right. uh, in the morning on Sunday. We're out of contention. So, yeah, uh, tough, tough conditions down there at Bay Hill in Orlando. Um, got a couple couple shots of note that we want to talk about on the uh, big board here, guys. Gary Woodland. <laughs> shots across the bow. Yeah, <laughs> Gary Woodland uh, from the bunker. Um you know, JTL, I'll set you up here, and you can you can kind of, you know, go after this one here. But uh, what, what was that about? Yeah, so for those who didn't watch the coverage or, or happened to miss that, 17, very long part three. Uh, Gary Woodland, God, probably a yard, maybe two yards short of hitting a perfect shot, uh, is in the greenside bunker with kind of a weird lie. You know, wasn't a fried egg. It popped right. out of the divot almost. But right? it yeah. wasn't a clean lie in the bunker on the like extreme upslope. And yeah, best I could tell, he just, he just guessed wrong at how that ball was going to react and just total decel in the, uh, in the downswing. And the thing, I mean, it looked like a, we kept saying the phrase yesterday, 12 handicap shot of just didn't go anywhere. It's like kind of popped up in the air, stayed in the bunker and uh, looked uh, like kind of, kind of ruined his chances. He gets, he gets the next one out, but then. Yeah, because what he eagles, uh, what, 15 or 16? Eagles, Eagles 16 makes a three on 16. And then makes a five on seventeen, which and is a bogey. He's eighteen, yeah. and so you know, maybe going into that, those two holes, like okay, if I if I make eight across those two holes, I'm happy. But the way that it played out was not a happy camper. Right, a lot and of a lot of red ass there. My question to you is, I'll give you a little bit of credit and love here. Is that that's kind of your game, right? Is around the greens, maybe in the sand, the chipping. Uh, you have a very good feel of that in just your game, JT. So, but like where he was in the sand. There wasn't a whole lot of green room in front of him. Like it sure. was pretty much the rough, oh, yeah. the yeah. fringe, and then the, the pin, pretty much. Yeah. So was he trying to land that thing right on top of it, trying to get it to trickle down, and it just didn't work out for him? Like is that what he's thinking right there? Oh yeah, yeah. He's definitely thinking that it has. Uh, well, you saw how the ball was kind of setting up. Yeah, he was definitely thinking he was going to get a lot of ball, right? So you get a lot of ball in a bunker shot, it's going to go, you know. Further right. than if it's like a typical sand shot where you're hitting behind the ball, so he was he was planning on it to to jump out of there, and he took a baby swing at it. So if he's taking a baby swing, he's trying to get it just up over that lip um, to try to get up and down, and uh, just I just think I think he just he just 
misjudged it yeah. extremely. Like, it misjudged it to a point that we don't normally see PGA Tour professionals uh, misjudge a bunker shot. So that was, uh, that was a tough scene for Gary. The highs and the lows. Of it's kind of who I well. was rooting for. I didn't really have a horse in the race. I was just kind of watching it, enjoying it. I started, ah, I'll just go ahead and root for Gary Woodland. Um, so it was, yeah, it was tough to see. Well, Kansas sure. guy, right? You got, you got yeah, some ties little, to little the, uh, guy, the Sunflower you know? State. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But uh, <laughs> Relata- um, Relatable. Well, and, 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 you know, not to uh, throw too much shade at Gary Woodland, there was a lot of guys that hit a lot of bad shots out there over the weekend, Sunday in particular. Uh, got to talk it or talk about one of the local guys, right? So Taylor Gooch, we've got uh, Gouch here, right? So <laughs> an opening nine that uh, – was was pretty rough. Now, to his credit, he got it together on the back nine and played much, much better on the way in, but a 43 going out That's on the right, final folks. pairing. The you final heard it pairing. right. You heard that number right. Ooh. 43 Ooh. on the front nine for uh, Taylor Gooch. Goes from uh, basically tied or one shot back going into the day. Plummets down the board. Uh, to his credit, two under on the back. Yeah, 34. played much better on the back. Uh, yeah. Probably one of the better back nines of the entire field, but his... Uh, his goose was cooked there. If you know, maybe if he gets that birdie on 16, he had a very makeable six foot birdie putt on 16, the par five. Gets him to three under. You never know what could happen. Um, but yeah, on a normal week, you say, oh, Taylor Gooch, T7, great top 10. But in this case, kind of kind of came back to the field. Yeah, I think this is fluky, right? You throw this one out. I don't think it's indicative of anything. He's played so well no. to the early part of this season. And uh, obviously, he played well for the first three days, right? Put himself in contention. Uh, in the the final pairing on Sunday, but uh, he may no, or may not have had a four putt. I, I want to remind the listeners, happens, you know, happens. take us back to November till you know you and I had a debate between Gooch and Scheffler as to who was going to win first. Now Thank you, you won, much. you took Thank Gooch, you he won the first tournament, but Scheffler's won two. Old a one in a quick prediction. quick succession since then. So I feel like maybe I I've won that bet now, right? So you should probably probably repay me once the once the ticket cashes, you lose the bet. <laughs> So, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, it's first a one and two, but the fact that Scheffler won two in such quick succession, I feel like it legitimizes my pick a little bit. Uh, You know, whatever you need to do to sleep at night works for me, uh, but uh, that's taking nothing away from Scotty Scheffler. I I Um, think Keith is right on this. I agree. Uh, Another, (laughs) another local guy, right? So give me Vic Hovland. Yeah, Teal's pick to win the whole thing, which you know yeah. was, was a pretty damn good pick in hindsight, right? Ends Great up pick. in a tie for second. Vic uh, struggled down the stretch. Maybe not something that we're accustomed to seeing from Hovland, especially here over the last year or so. Uh, been playing so well. Um, man, yeah, kind of a tough look. And again, one of many golfers that had a tough Sunday for sure. Uh, but uh, Vic faded hard on Sunday afternoon. Uh, and, uh, you know, shoots a 74, so it probably puts him in the yeah, middle of the pack I mean, for scores. But hard's yeah. probably definitely faded. Well, it looked like he was struggling more from the coverage that we were watching than the scores he was actually posting. And so maybe maybe a 74 was a good score considering how he was putting in particular. Putting was not good on Sunday. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. He definitely, he definitely faded. Uh, interesting that he damn near did enough to win. Uh, really, it came down to Scheffler did what nobody else could do, which was hit the middle of the green on 17 and 18 and make your two-putt par. Like, yeah. everybody else in those final groups was uh, that actually had a chance um, was hitting in the bunker, or they're hitting it in the rough off the tee on 18 and unable to get on the green. And, uh, you know, Vic Hovland, he, he, went, he, re- he really went for it on 17. 
and tried to go flag hunting. Came up, probably half club short, and lo and behold, terrible, not terrible, just like awkward stance in the bunker. Can't get it up and down, um, which we all know. And he, self-admittedly, like short game is his uh, bugaboo, even though it's improved quite a bit. Was the old, old quote, right? I suck at chipping suck or at something. Chipping. Yeah. Was it was it 17 that he went real aggressive on the putt and blew it by like five feet and made the putt back for bogey? Uh, what hole was that? I can't remember. Could have been because uh, he had to, you know, his bunker shot, it was basically impossible. Actually, I think he it was 16. It I think it was his eagle putt. Yeah. He went really aggressive for and blew it. By, and I mean, it was online. It was a good putt. It just had too much speed on it and it just blew by. So I think the birdie putt back was like a six five or yep. six footer. Yep. For sure. Is the one I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, and that gets him to that birdie putt at the time got him to five under par. And it's like, okay, all he has to do is par out. He's going to play off at worst. Yeah. Bogey 17. And then honestly, on 18, he went for it. Like he had a great drive, went flag hunting again. And really a little bit unlucky, as hard as everything is literally hard, like as firm as everything was. And those greens especially from kind of the stuff I've heard today from PGA Tour guys, those greens were not, like, fast. They were, like, dead. Like, the greens were dead. And for his shot on 18, coming into 18, to not kind of take a bounce forward towards the flag and just kind of stop there in the right. in the fringe, probably a little bit unlucky based on what I'm sure he thought he'd been seeing every single day. Um, you know, that that gets a just a little bit of a forward bounce. He's, pr- he's probably, he's probably oh, tap yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Six feet. Uh, so yeah, I got. I think Vic. I'm still very bullish on on. on and that's Vic. and that takes me to my next point. Is like, is Victor? What's his mindset right now? Is he still that young guy that doesn't worry about it right now, knowing that oh, his yeah. his wins are coming? Or does he have that little like I can't win on American soil because no. I don't want to be that guy that beats that dead horse, right? But it kind of goes back to I think we talked about it on Sunday a little bit at the table where Rory talked about how young, when he was young. He would be so aggressive and just go for things, knowing that his wins were coming. Um, but now he's gotten that older to where he, you know, he can't get back to that mindset of pin seeking and and just hunting it down and stuff like that. No, I don't I think. think I, I think don't, you're, I, I think Victor is still very much in the innocent stage of his career, where and especially from again, everything I've heard today from and even even a comment yesterday. You know, the word clown golf has been yeah. thrown out quite a bit. So I, I think that you know, yesterday's result doesn't, doesn't yeah, a little bit of an phase aberration yep. given the conditions. I think that he's going to, um, I, I really think we're going to look back at the end of 2022 and our man 2G hearkening back to the preview show is going to look like a freaking genius because I think Vic Hovland is going to have a huge year. He usually does. But, uh, you know, Vic, not the only guy that struggled with putting uh, down at Bay, uh, Bay Hill, right? So, uh, Scott, you, you've got one that uh, you wanted to talk about. You put it on the big board there from the world number one, right? World number one. You ever had, done that before? Had a great putt, you know, 10 inches, right? About 10, 12 inches, maybe a foot. That was on Friday? On Friday, and he putted it about six inches closer. An inch tap. Uh, I think he hit it like one inch. Yeah, it it was not good. And, you know, I got to give him credit of like, you know, he got asked about it on Friday after the round, and he said, you know, I'd love to give you every excuse in the world, but to be honest with you, I just, I stood over the ball and I didn't feel good about it, and I couldn't stop myself from getting, from backing away from it. And I tapped it, and it was a horrible Horrible putt. So uh, at least he owned up to it. 
Um, got to give him a little bit of credit like that. But, geez, man, it's 10 inches. You know, just put it in the back of the cup and move on. Yeah, it's a fluke deal. I mean, he was just almost like almost like a flinch kind of thing, just like an involuntary reaction. <laughs> he was like, I wish, I wish I could tell you that my hands were all sweaty and I just didn't have a good grip, but he goes, I did stand over it, didn't feel good about it, tried to putt it, didn't work, should have backed away, didn't type of thing. And it, he, it's one of those things where I'm learning is that these world number one to all the way down to probably world number 100 is that they do have that short-term memory a lot better than oh, you have to. any yeah. of us, right? Yeah. You know, and so, um, but yeah, it's just, he just moved on from it, I guess, so. Well, I mean, you have to start asking some questions, right? The last couple of events that Rom has been in hasn't hasn't exactly played that well, right? So maybe uh, something something going on with the world, number one? It's something to think about, especially, you know, if you are making some DraftKings lineups and everything, like, are you going to start fading the world, number one, you know, and... Uh, Guys... He's so good, but he has not played, in my opinion, like the world number one should be playing. Yeah. Guys, you guys are being, you guys are crazy. I know, his, and I looked at, I Talk looked up at a recency bias. Good do, God. Do better, bro. What, what do have you better. done for me lately? That's the world we live in today. That's a hundred, that, you know, that's how you got to work it. If you lose in college football and any, you drop in the rankings and, um, in my opinion, what did he, what did he finish? I think he still actually finished. Had a okay. terrible week this week. Had a terrible week. T seventeen. He he started out pretty good. Worst he could possibly do. T T seventeen. Yeah, but he went out super early. Conditions slightly easier in the morning, and then the, the bloodbath ensued in the afternoon. Yes. So that that's a backdoor tied for seventeen. That's that's what that is. I agree. Didn't play well. He didn't play well the whole week. So, yeah, I think he looks out of shape more than he looks out of. Sh- Normally out of shape. Call him fat? Saying he's fat? I think he's, you know. He's got that dad bod now, right? He's got, he's got the dad bod. I, I think he was eating whatever the wife was eating during the pregnancy. And I think he enjoyed it. And he, I think it's hurting his game a little bit. I said it. So, um, yeah, I think he's uh, really, 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 really good at golf. Definitely well, still the I'm best player in the world. That, that like, he's not really, um, really good at golf. Fading him would, to me, suggest that he is going to continue to uh, only finish in the top twenty. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, he. Uh, let, let's let's recap his. Finishes. I was saying fading him on a DraftKings lineup to in, where you're going to spend eleven thousand dollars on a guy that's going to finish t seventeen. So he finished second at the Tournament of Champions back out in Hawaii, right, to kick things off. Yeah. Uh, limited field, right, only 40 guys in the field, whatever it was. Tied for 14th at the American Express. Tied for third at the Farmers. T10 at the uh, Waste Management, T21 at the Genesis, T17 yesterday at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So trending in the wrong direction, but maybe, yeah, maybe I mean, not that, as that, ugly. I suppose that's well, a slightly different question. Expectations like, are super high for the world number one, though, I right? I mean, well, like DFS, like I just, yeah. like, what are we talking about? Like If we're talking about DFS playing, well, yeah, if you're looking for value of how much you're going to spend on a guy or if you're looking to make a bet on, you know, like a top 20 bet or something, top 10 bet, something like that. Like, I, I suppose. Well, I, that is, is he, do, okay, let me ask you this. Is he doing enough for you to st- still hold him in your eyes as the world number one? Not the not the actual formula that they take into account to be it on their ranking system. In Jonathan Teal's yeah. eyes, is he doing enough to be considered the world number one? 
Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. I mean, the guy has like no holes in his game, right? So um, unlike really everybody on the world ranking list below him, Colin Morikawa putting shaky. The reason he's gotten so high up is he's had a like an abnormally good run of putting. Like the, That's going to fall back to the average. Victor Hovland, self-admitted, terrible around the greens. If anything, like the man Patrick Cantley is probably the one who's best comparable to Rom in terms of just not having any weaknesses where it's like, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's not one thing that makes John Rom or Pat, Patrick Cantley really, really good at golf. Like they have a well-rounded game. So yeah, absolutely still doing enough to, um, to be considered world number one, regardless of world ranking points. And I think it's uh, just a matter of, you know, weeks, not months before he's host, hoisting another trophy. If not, you know, certainly it's finishing the top five regularly again. So the last thing I'll say is just kind of the spoiling of getting to watch Tiger and where he was not world number one, right? If the, if if John Rahm's stats that he has right now were actually Tiger Woods's name instead, would Tiger be getting some question marks of what's wrong with Tiger? Some the T17s, the T10s, the T whatever whatever we saw, whatever we kind of talked about earlier of, you know, finishing in a second is the best. Right now, heading into the players, your best is a second-place finish earlier on in the year. If that was Tiger, would people be talking about it a little bit differently? I, I think so, I but mean, we talk about Tiger t- differently t- in every aspect. So, yeah. Yeah, we're not talking about Tiger Woods compared to John Rahm, are we? We're talking about is John Rahm the best player in the world? Right now. But that's what I'm saying, like, if I'm looking at it though, if I that's I'm being spo- outside of Tiger Woods, I'm, I'm wondering sure if John Rom has the highest win percentage in PGA Tour history. But I'm wondering if I'm being spoiled thinking of Tiger, you know, the world number one as Tiger, right? Tiger Woods is the world. Well, number I mean, who's he the last sets world the benchmark? In a who's lot the of last that. world number one that you look at and say, well, he was like un- unequivocally the best player? Luke Donald. Um, I love your. Uh, Olivier, what I hope is tongue in cheek comment of Luke Donald. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Tiger. I mean, it's Tiger. I mean, I, I would say yeah, Rory. Fair. I would give you Rory in like that 2014, uh, 2012, 2014 stretch. Yep. Like unequivocally best player okay. in the world. I'd, I'd, I'd go there. Yeah, DJ had a stretch. Uh, for DJ. A I'd, I'd have shorter, no problem with DJ. Shorter stretch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, again, it's just you're going to have to, we're going to have to go more than, you know, again, we're, we're, we're March seventh, you know, on, it's early. on January twenty ninth, he finished in the. So I'm pressing. I'm pressing the panic button a little early. Is what you're telling me? Oh, for sure. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. all. That's all I wanted to know. Yeah, all all right. way know. too early. Well, last thing I've got on the big board about the API, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So we have this iconic picture here up on the big board uh, of Scotty Scheffler in the red sweater, right? The uh, the Arnold Palmer golf sweater. And so the question I want to ask with you guys, if we had a YSO PGA event. What would be the clothing item that would be synonymous with what we're doing? Or, or, or that goes to the winner, I should say, right? So you think about some of these events that kind of have that iconic thing, right? So you have what, was it Colonial that has the, um, uh, Colonial know, has the, the, the gingham tartan, jacket or tartan, whatever it is? Yeah, tartan. Type yeah. jacket. Yeah. So in, in some of these events kind of have these things that it's yeah. known for. Uh, what, would we, what would we give away? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, the, I, don't, I don't ever remember Tiger putting on a, a cardigan sweater like Scotty Scheffler has on in any of his 
Eight See, I think it's wins. kind of a relatively recent. I feel like thing. it is a recent yeah. deal. Maybe yeah. it's maybe, maybe after he passed. The bucket. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Uh, man, I don't know. All of us have a different sort of style, perhaps. So I'm not sure what uh, the go-to would be if we were leopard to. print underwear. I think it's what you're wearing right now. I think it might be a quarter zip. Quarter zip? Yeah, it'd be kind of boring if hoodie? it is. Yeah. Would be the fir- would we be the first group that gives out probably a hoodie? joggers? <laughs> I would think would be <laughs> YSO the YSO. Players Championship presented by uh, Stuart National <laughs> joggers. Sexy. Good, good question. Yeah, I, maybe a maybe a gray sweater vest. Yeah, maybe it's a poll a question. La, we send it out. La, uh, a la Ryan Hibble could be a fan favorite. Hmm, that's a toughie. Bucket hat. Bucket hat would. Oh, I mean, there's not a lot of people that can pull off that bucket hat. So that would be probably pretty good. Bucket hat would be pretty sweet. So yeah. now we'll, we'll put it, we'll put it out there on the Twitter's verse and um, social media. See what the listeners think in that regards as well. But uh, let's, Long let's... underwear. As much <laughs> golf as we have to play in the cold in Oklahoma. It's, it's long it's indies. Uh, let's talk about the ladies, <laughs> with guys. The tra- so, with the trap door. Uh, the, uh, the LPGA on the Asian swing right now, right? So over in Singapore, and a familiar face at the top of the leaderboard yet again. JYK, Jin Young Ko, continues her absolute terror. 17 under, wins it by two strokes over Minji Lee and NG Chun. Um you know, at what point do we stop being surprised, or or maybe we should start being surprised because of the the level of dominance that she's got going on right now? Yeah, J2? you want to talk world number ones, world number ones with, with a, a bullet, with yeah. authority, yeah. Jin Young Ko. She is just uh, we say the word robot on this pod quite a bit in relation to her, and uh, she she did not disappoint this week over. Uh, I believe this tournament was it actually in China. Where, where was this located? I think it was in China, wasn't it? Uh, Singapore. 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 Uh, HSBC Women's, um, you know, the kind of the overnight tea times make it hard for viewing. Did a little recording to watch the final round in about 30 minutes. Um, and, you know, she looked kind of um, not really out of sorts, just wasn't really making any birdies on that front nine. And, man, she turned it on on the back nine. I think she birdied five of her last six holes. Um, just... Didn't seem like there was going to be any doubt, and the, the ladies around are just kind of stuck in neutral, and, and and she gets yet another win. I want to say six win in the last eleven or five in the last ten. That's pretty stupid. Yeah. Uh, talk about a win rate. I mean, that's uh, incredible. Saw fifteen straight. This was her fifth Sunday. Was her fifteenth straight round in the sixties. That's good. Cantlay had one of those streaks going. Uh, I'm not sure what he got up to. Uh, but that's uh, pretty, 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 pretty good. And she's just fun to watch, man. She's just doesn't miss shots. Even when, um, yeah, even when she's not making birdies, it's just because, oh, just didn't hit it close enough to the hole. And right. she's still just kind of easy to put pars. Great short game when she happens to miss a green. I think I saw, God, I'm going to probably mess this up. I know that she, you know, going back to the tour championship, she had 63 straight greens in regulation. I think right now she's at like 112 out of the last 121 or something like that. 91%. I remember that number. 91% of her last 100 and let's say 30 greens yeah. in regulation. Bring it up on the grant right now, but I'm pretty sure I'm like at one, <laughs> 28% or something maybe. So awesome. Maybe. <laughs> awesome. Like not under, she. I, I would say underappreciated overall. Yeah, it is. It's flying under the radar. Which is like I mean, women's fair. sports in general probably underappreciated, but. Her in particular, yeah. I would. I can't point to anybody else in women's sports 
to the level of underappreciated that she is and what she's doing right now. Yeah, and and I want to say this as a complete compliment. Like she needs to be thought of as the Tiger Woods of the LPGA. I mean, what she is doing is pure dominance. Um, you're playing for second pretty much, and she does things that kind of remind me of what Tiger Woods would do. Is like like you said, birdied five of the of of the six holes. Like when Tiger would get hot, when she would get hot, you can't stop it. You can only watch it and, again, play for second place. And she's doing some amazing, amazing things that we only got to watch on the men's side because we were watching as we were watching Tiger do it. But now if you really want to clue in and watch something on the women's side of it, she's doing things that are very Tiger-esque is what I would say. Well, yeah. I mean, even we just got done talking about Rom. Yeah. Uh, we've, uh, wasn't that long ago. We we're talking about DJ in a, in a similar breath. And even then it's like, you don't, you really don't expect them to show up and win every tournament. Right. And JYK is basically there. <laughs> like when she doesn't win, it's shocking. And, and there's, even, other, there's other good women. She's I mean, not just winning it because she's just the best of yeah, whatever's I mean, out there. There's Nelly, other good golfers out there. You take, you take there. Jin Young Ko out of it. And Nelly Korda has had had an amazing yep. 2021 like a, a well and a, some of the best best players you know outside of Asia were on the uh, in this event on Sunday or this weekend as well right you got Brooke Henderson finishing T6 Danielle Kang uh, in a top 10 uh you, you Leona McGuire right yep. so you know breaking through winning her first event uh, yep. not too long ago and so it wasn't a uh, depleted well, field and I like will say, say and we've talked about this there. before on the LPGA tour um all the names show up more regularly Right, so um, the the fields typically relative to the ladies out there are stronger week in week out. I agree than yeah. it is on the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour guys, because there's so much money, kind of can pick and choose their spots. Um, you know, the, the Arnold Palmer was a solid field, but still like didn't have a lot of the right. big names play. And you don't get that in women's golf. And uh, that being said, <laughs> just going to sound like. A, Speaking out the other side of my mouth, but I think JYK is shutting it down until their first major of the year, which is the week before the Masters. I believe so. so yeah. I think that would be like the weekend of a March 31st, somewhere in the basically that first, very first weekend of April is when they'll tee it up. And uh, the newly coined Chevron used to be the A&A inspiration, but the, uh, the Chevron out in Mission Hills, and so that'll be the next time you can see her. So, so tune in. That'll be a big weekend for women's golf. The Anwa, the uh, yeah. National Women's Amateur, the uh, the Chevron. So, pretty uh, pretty impressive stuff from JYK. Well, good transition by you there. Talking about Anwa, let, let's talk about the ladies' amateur game. Head down to Florida to the uh, Gators Invitational, Oklahoma State uh, Cowgirls in contention down there. End up finishing third, uh, three strokes back behind Florida in Michigan. Uh, that end up they uh, with faded. The, uh, the, they were the in team. first after they the first were day. yeah leading uh, uh, going into the final round but perhaps more importantly Oklahoma State in the news for maybe some of the things going on off the course so to speak another major transfer uh, Isabella Fiera had her on the podcast last summer uh, an absolute spark plug I mean she's just so dynamic both as a personality and as a player enters the transfer portal the second major super-duper star that the OSU women have lost in the last, what, month, six weeks, behind Kaylee McGinty. Um, yeah, weird weird stuff going on up there, Yeah, right? weird stuff. I mean, it really is sounding like from the things, that, certainly from her quotes and some other things that we're kind of sniffing around on and finding out, 
just seems like a kind of a social isolation sort of situation in Stillwater, where there's the way they have things set up outside of the golf team, um, just not real conducive to a to a happy happy life, as it were. At least again, kind of from what she said, via what she posted. Uh, I will say it sounds like Coach Robertson fairly, if not hardcore, fairly straight lined and. Uh, I think she wanted to play out the rest of the spring season from what I'm reading. And he, just like he did with McGinty kind of shut that down. And I was like, if you'd like to enter the transfer portal, um, we wish you very well. Uh, yet we're going to go into the transfer portal now. And uh, we're going to kind of, going to kind of focus on the ladies that want to be here, which you know, good for him. Right? And I think you're seeing that across the board in all sports is I uh, hate, I want to finish out the year, uh, play with you. No, if you're not with us, then you need – and a lot of coaches are just going that route, hitting that right on the head. And like you said, really good by him. But a lot of people don't take into account that, you know, sometimes these kids do get either homesick or you, if you're far, a long ways from home, and now with this transfer portal, it's a whole lot easier to get that emotions and feelings of I'm away from home and it's a little bit easy. Not, I'm not saying it was easy for her to just jump into the transfer portal to do something else, but it does. The NCAA is very right now pro student and not pro college and coaches to where they're giving these student athletes the chance to, hey, if you made this commitment, you're having second opinions on it. You do have the chance to now enter this transfer portal and go move to another university either closer to home or what better fits you and be able to play right away because a few years before you would have to sit out yeah. uh, if you were wanting to transfer now you yeah, can one immediately time, be one eligible one-time transfer. One transfer so um it does make it a little bit easier for these student athletes to do that and like you said with the social scene there are some emotions that can build up inside of you to make you feel maybe i didn't make the best decision at the time. Well, this is coming from the man, like a lot of insight into the college life, uh, working in college baseball for so many years. It's, it's tough on both sides, a hundred percent. And you feel for both of them. I like what, uh, what coach did was, Hey, if you're, if it's, if you're feeling that, well, let's, let's just go ahead and nail, nail that in right now. And you go do your thing. We're going to go continue yeah. to be. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't fault him. Really, I, I wouldn't either. have faulted him either way. Where it's like, hey, yeah, okay, let's let's keep riding. You know, it, it sure would have been not. The thing is, that, to me, if she saw that was the case with McGinty, right? I want to, I'm going to transfer, and Coach Robertson saying, oh, well, you're out now. Like, if she really wanted to stay, like in my mind, it's like I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, kind of get through it, play right. my best golf. If she really wanted to stay, right, um, instead of doing it when she did, but maybe. And again, the emotional side of things, it's like, well, this is the way that teammate A was treated. I'm going to go ahead and get out now. So and regardless, nothing. it freaking sucks. Yes. It does. Because yeah. for sucks. the fan, which is all that matters are fans. Darn it. <laughs> it's all, all that, that matters. matters are fans. And we're going to get robbed of seeing an elite squad in OSU go up against an elite squad in Stanford this summer. I mean, who knows? With OSU, I could see them not even... Um, Making it into match play at this point, and they yeah. have a they have a strong roster throughout. Yeah, but tough. When you lose two of the top 
not not just collegiate, but golfers in the amateur players in the world. Both those ladies ranked way up there. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, with Coach Robertson, it's just a next cowgirl up mentality, I I guess. And one of those young ladies, Han Swan Yu, one of the players that we haven't heard a whole lot about, maybe kind of buried on the depth chart a little bit behind McGinty and Fierro uh, for the fall and spring semester. She goes out and finishes in second, six under, uh, one of only two golfers, along with the winner, Ashley Lau from Michigan, that were under par. Uh, down in Gainesville over the week, and so might might just have another you know stud player uh, there on in Stillwater ready to step up. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see somebody step up and and, and play really well and get them into that, uh, keep them at that elite status that they they found. But it's, it's you know the, the it's not generally it's not what's going to happen. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I will say, talking about elite and, and flipping the page a little bit, the OU men are on an absolute tear right now i believe as we were recording last week's pod they were kind of finishing up the southern highlands yeah, in vegas yeah. out in vegas they have now won their third straight tournament uh had the individual winner as well in patrick welch uh vinny uh vinny chase as i like to call him harkening uh, back to entourage fame and then the cool thing about it is chris Goderup. He doesn't skip that. He knows he gets to play in the Puerto Rico Open. He doesn't skip the event. He finishes out in Vegas, wheels up, straight to Puerto Rico. Circuitous path down to uh, Puerto Rico, and I'm glad uh, that he got there, and I'm sure he is as well because Manny played lights out, finishes in a tie for seventh, I believe, when it's all said and done at 11 under amongst the other pros there. I mean, you know, got to play the, the course, what, just a few weeks earlier. Uh, yeah, it had to be a classic, huge but uh, big advantage there. But hey, you know, kudos to Goddard for making it happen, right? Uh, you think back to what what the last time an amateur won a PGA event, Phil Mickelson, right? Yep, maybe the Western Open or something. So many years ago, I mean, I, I think I saw a stat thirty five years ago or something like that, something crazy. And and Goddard, you know, he ends up nine strokes back behind the winner, Ryan Brim, who, who was kind of a neat story in and of itself, right? right. Had to win or finish solo second, solo to, keep second his, to keep his tour card. status and goes out and wins the dadgum thing. Uh, but another sooner. Uh, finishes in second, right? Max McGreevy, right? So 14 under there, solo second for him. And so, yeah, I mean, OU golf uh, def- definitely flexing some muscle here over the last month or so. Absolutely flexing. And Chris Goderup is going to rocket up that PGA Tour University. I think they update those on Wednesdays, ranking. right? Is when it is it Wednesday? I think it's Wednesday. So I'll, I'll be ready to see. Yeah. He's, I think, currently 16th or 17th. 16th, just outside that, you know, top 15, and that's a significant number there. And when you there. play in a PGA Tour event as an amateur, which is a fairly, still fairly rare thing, uh, and you play well, that, that heavily weights. And so I, I would think he would jump up into the top 10 with a top 10 finish uh, in a PGA Tour event. I mean, you just don't, I, uh, it, it had been, I think, uh, 10 years since they since an amateur finished in the top 10 of a PGA Tour event. Now, again, it's an opposite field event, and uh, talking about the strength of field was absolute garbage down at Puerto Rico. Not his but fault. Not his fault, right? You can only tee it up against the players that are in the field. It's not like a college football coach. Um, very good on him. Max McGreevy, again, probably we were we were more interested in Goddard up as the amateur, and then Max McGreevy makes a run. Yeah, just a cool story. Yeah, uh, and then, yeah, I know well. that, uh, yeah, the Ryan Brim thing, that's awesome. Awesome. Pretty cool. Had his wife on the bag, right? So yeah. kind of, and they had that, obviously we were watching it all at chalk, had that on one of the screens up there. So big hug, big kiss uh, after it was over with there. Yeah. Really a cool story there for a guy that running out of time has to make something big happen and to go out and perform under that pressure. Because man, we've talked about it on the pod in the past and you know, a lot of, you know, guys and gals that follow golf know how difficult it is to get your card first and foremost, but then to keep it 
you know, it's not a guarantee. And uh, for a guy to go out and win it essentially at, at the last asking, right? So had to make something happen, wins the tournament, and uh, secures his status for another year. Pretty pretty cool story there for Brent. No, it's a great story. And uh, give, me, give, me, give me more stories like that. You know, probably that's a... That is a uh, what a mark in the column of uh, what more events like having more events because yeah, this wasn't even a real PGA Tour yeah. event. Get some uh, cool stories. See like what that. this guy yeah. does. Maybe start playing like you're about to lose your card every time. Yeah, it just needs a little <laughs> pressure, right? So, absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, let's bring it back locally. Fairway Files, right? So we talked about it a week or two ago. Had had some you know weather reschedulings of a couple of the local cool events that uh, we were participating in, or friends of the pod were participating in. Uh, where do we want to start, JT? So Fairway Files, we got the uh, Eskimo Open at Hefner was rescheduled. A familiar face ends up winning that thing, right? A familiar, yeah. Name. Eskimo Open, uh, which for those who aren't familiar, may missed it on the pod a couple weeks ago. We get to uh, limited club event. So if you had a handicap. Of uh, five or less, you only got to roll out with one club, yet it always seems to be those low handicaps that win this thing. Back-to-back winner in Mike Hearn, uh, here, look, kind of becoming a local legend, uh, shoots a 79 out wow. at Lake Hefner North with uh, with only a five iron. It was windy. Yeah, tough conditions as really well. Really tough conditions. It was blowing consistently 20 all day, gusts up to 40, uh, and uh, he, he gets it done with one club. 79. I got to give a shout out to my hitter, Nolo. Matt Nolan, my guy. Been on the pod before. Also only a five iron. Shoots an 82 to finish solo second in this deal. Unbelievable. And from, uh, I was getting, I was getting some live reports from the grounds with a four putt. 82 with a four putt, which again, he's putting. Putting with a five five iron. iron. It's tough, right? And in that wind, uh, would be very difficult. And so, uh, got got to give a shout out. We had we had a lot of friends of the pot in this deal. I think Loaf kept it under a hundred. He was probably a two club man. Um, Hoppick and, and and Dragon Alcorn, I think both broke uh, broke broke ninety, kind of 86, 86, 89, somewhere in that range. And so, uh, yeah, a lot a lot of folks doing good good stuff. Uh, I think our man Chief, the Chief Kelly K, was out there with his with his lads and and managed to break a hundred. So good good stuff. At you know Hoppick. Who I think we're going to hear from in a little while on a different different matter. He kind of talks about it. It's like his favorite thing to do every year. Just like, you know, uh, one I could club. See where it he is kind of fun. That up, yeah. Just loves. And I would agree. Like, going back to, I got to play in it last year, and it was one of the funnest things that I did because you just don't do stuff like that all the right. time, and it, it mixes it up, and you're kind of, expectations go out the window a little bit. It's not that hard to stay unfrustrated. So I could, I could see why people love it so much. And so, uh, Eskimo, another Eskimo open in the book. Mayor Mick Cornett, we learned in our pod with him last right. year, former Eskimo open winner. Wow. Right? Yeah. So, uh, Big there's, time some, player. there's some gestalt behind the past champs list up at the Eskimo open. No doubt about it. What about you, Scooter? You had a fun event uh, that you uh, played in this week as well at the greens, right? Yeah. Had the, uh, 19 man shootout horse race. Uh, we started on 10, uh, we're going to eliminate five guys right out of the gate, uh, came down to a chip off, um, there and, uh, I did not win it. Uh, did, I did. Okay. I'm okay with where I was. Wanted, want to do it again next year. Uh, Bill Taylor was the back-to-back champion. And then my guy that I love playing with, there's a, uh, Larry Cornelius, uh, listens to the pod. Uh, the, the Shout out, Larry. Out. So Larry got second. 
one of the best vibing guys I've ever played golf with. Just laid back, great time. Uh, always, always a fun 18 holes to play with Larry. So he uh, lipped out for birdie on 18 against Bill. Bill did birdie 18, and that's how it ended on 18. So it's pretty it cool. Went they went a full holes. nine holes. Yeah, that's it pretty neat. Nine holes. Yeah. So it was a uh, really cool, really uh, man. A little nervous, you know. 19, 20, 22 people eyes on you. Your shot took an hour and 20 minutes to play the first hole. <laughs> um, so, but it was, uh, it's a lot of fun. The greens do a lot of cool things, cool events. Uh, so it was, it was a good time. Till, till would have lost his mind for pace of play purposes after that first was To be honest, it was like quick, but I mean, there's 19 shots that got to happen <laughs> every single time. So, yeah. and you're starting on a par five. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of variables. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. One more. Jay Till, so tell, tell us about the Dead Grass Classic. Yeah, the Dead Grass Classic, uh, the Gunga Tour that we mentioned uh, on last week's pod kicked off this Sunday with what they refer to as the Dead Grass Classic up at Cedar Valley in, in Guthrie. And uh, they played this on Sunday. Talk about bad luck Ooh. with the weather. It was windy on Saturday, but nice and warm. You know, you know fine day to play golf. Uh, Sunday, not so much. Uh, didn't break 50 on the temperature, rain pretty much throughout, and uh, unbelievably, this guy, unbelievably, a 66, a wow. gross 66, wins the Dead Grass Classic. Brian Boaz, former ORU golfer, gets it done in the uh, the okay. opening event of the Gunga season again with a it's a 66. Uh, Going to shout out second and third, Jacob Crouch with a net 68 as a seven handicap. Uh, Connor McCune with a net 70 as a 19 handicap. So kind of cool that you know you had a scratch player shoot 66, kind of that you know mid range seven handicap. You know play well enough to to fire a net 68, and then a little bit higher handicapper plays a good round. And shoots a net 70. So uh, congrats to those guys, frankly, just for being out there and making it happen. You know, So, again, just like last week, still time to get involved. Uh, email chasepull, P-U-L-L, at gmail.com. They'll get you hooked up. Uh, we are uh, eagerly anticipating more results coming in from the, uh, from the underground golf season. Uh, the Supercell kicks off the season-long series uh, this weekend. Uh, with kind of like a, uh, a quota game across multiple golf courses, almost like a virtual quota game, uh, not getting everybody together in one spot. So that's about to kick off. Golf season about to be in full swing here uh, on the fairway files, as we like to call them. Love the local golf. Love to see the tournament. You know, put put a little gravitas on it, right? So you need, love you need it, keep, man. keep score for a reason, right? So love to hear about the local events going on here. But, boys, the, uh, the time is nigh. The Players' Championship, TPC, coming up this week. The unofficial, official, unofficial fifth major. We'll get into the debate about five majors and whether it should count or not. But uh, I guess first and foremost, whenever we preview these events, right, we always like to talk about the golf course, right? So everybody knows about the TPC there at Sawgrass. Uh, Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, I believe, right? Just up the road from uh, Orlando, which we were at for uh, Bay Hill this weekend for the uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, one of the coolest closing stretches of holes, I think, right? We talk about that a lot, right? 16, 17, and 18. Obviously, 17 being the uh, the famous island green there, J. Till. But uh, you're the uh, the golf 
architecture nerd of the group here. Uh, your thoughts on Sawgrass and the uh, the stadium course, I think, is the uh, the one they play, right? Well, thank you for that distinction. Really appreciate that. I think the TPC Sawgrass Stadium course is very, very interesting, and it's a very particular kind of golf uh, designed by none other than Peter Dye. The senior? legend. Peter Dye Sr.? Peter Dye, the one, the only. And really was dug out of a swamp uh, there just outside of Jacksonville uh, at Ponte Vedra. But, yeah, it's it's a very kind of it's kind of a strategic slash, one of your favorite words, penile design. <laughs> you get yourself in certain spots, and uh, you're going to have a hard time making a par. But, yeah, from a course background perspective, this place opened up. Interestingly enough, the Players' Championship hasn't always been played at the stadium course. It used to be uh, at Sawgrass Country Club at, uh, for the first several years really? of its uh, existence. Uh, transitioned over to the stadium course, I want to say, in 1979. If you can fact-check me on that, happy to issue me a culpa if I got the date wrong there. But I think that it's, it's striking in its um, presentation. I mean, I feel like they really tried to green it up. The move to March has made it where they can overseed the heck out of it, keep it watered, and uh, it is just an absolutely lush, lush place. Honestly, far different. If you go in at the Google machine and kind of look at some old pictures of TPC Sawgrass, used to be a lot more kind of scruffy, uh, wild. It's really a manicured place now. But yeah, going over a few holes, uh, love number four, kind of a short par four, but not in like a drivable sense. It's kind of a layup for everybody, but you really have to hit it to the correct side of the fairway to have a, a good angle in uh, for your wedge approach. You can absolutely get blocked out by the mounds on the left. Uh, you get it over to the right in the um, kind of the fairway bunker, absolute death spot. A very cool hole uh, to watch early on in rounds. Yeah, you mentioned the mounds there on the left, but that's kind of one of the the features, if you will, of of Sawgrass, right? Of TPC, right? These these kind of that's looks literally like, looks like there should be sand that's there. Literally, right? why yeah. they call it the stadium course yeah. is that the mounding is built for spectators. There you go. You know, before yeah. all, you know, before grandstands and that kind of thing. That's literally it was it was the first. There's other places called the stadium course these days. It was the first one. And number four is a great example of that, just mounting all the way up to left that spectators can watch uh, the proceedings. Number nine, the par fives, honestly, at TPC Sawgrass really are awesome. Number nine is a great example of that. You kind of have to fit your drive up into the fairway where the, the water starts to cut across, and then there's trees blocking you out on the left, so you really have to hit a draw in there if you're going to try to get to the screen in two. You'll see a lot of guys kind of getting into those um, – there's some mounds short right of the green. See a ton of guys in there this week. Uh, again, on number nine, trying to get there in two and just kind of bailing out to the right. Awesome hole. Number 11, another par five that's really, really good. It's kind of a, a – most folks who are familiar with the stadium course are familiar with number 16 in that closing stretch that you just talked about. Number 11 is kind of a mini, um, mini number 16 where you really have to take on – a uh, fairway, I'm sorry, a greenside bunker over water to try to get it close into uh, most guys. Again, bailout left. Uh, but number 11, again, awesome par five. But really, all world entertainment as far as the golf course goes 16, 17, 18. 16 is one of the, I think, one of the best holes on, on the tour, uh, let alone at this course. 
pretty much pretty much everybody can get there in two. It's yeah, only 520 yards, yards, right? So that's short for a par five at the and, PGA. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you hit a good drive and can fit it up in there, you uh, it's kind of a green light special. But again, you have to pull off the shot because there is disaster lurking everywhere. You can't really bail left because there's a tree about 80 yards short of the green. If you get a little bit too far left, it gets caught up in there, and then you have kind of a possible third shot. Everybody knows about 17, Island Green. It's only a wedge, yet it tends to claim people year in, year out. And then 18, man, just a ball buster of a finishing hole. I want to say it's one of the hardest holes, like, relative to par on the entire year long on the PGA Tour. Uh, the leader always comes in there, tends to be playing well, and can he hit the draw to fit it onto that kind of what seems like a you know kind of mini crescent moon fairway. Right. Uh, to give himself a Everything chance. slopes back to the water as well, right? So kind of right to left, fairway slope. Yeah, so 16, 17, 18, probably not a better three-hole entertainment-driven stretch uh, on the PGA Tour. And so, uh, yeah, look out again. If you if you want certain holes to look out for, 4, 9, 11, and then the finishing stretch, 16 through 18. Yep, absolutely. Well, we're, we're all familiar with that ubiquitous term TPC, but for the uninitiated, as we like to call them, J. Till, you know, what does the TPC officially stand for, bud? I believe it's Touring Professionals Course. I believe it's Tournament Players Club. Tournament Players Club. We don't even know Which on means this it's owned and operated by the PGA Tour. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that. Yeah, part. there's yeah. A, a network of these TPC courses. Uh, Scottsdale and a couple other. Yeah. Belt Las Vegas. Yeah. Oh, right? there's a so, ton yeah. of them. I'm any any yeah, major golf city. There's, there's way more than you, yeah. than you yeah. Yeah would think so i'm sorry tournament professionals course tournament players club tournament players club so you guys can all fact check Very scott exclusive. fact check me um but yeah the whole idea is that at some point um 80s 90s there was a um kind of a network of these courses put together really to be a revenue generator for the pga yep. tour they are all run by the pga tour and so anything that has that moniker of tpc is inside that network. Uh, this is probably, not probably, it is the crown jewel of the TPC network. Um, certainly the best golf yeah, the, course. The pictures are gorgeous, right? So the clubhouse is TPC incredible network. as well. So kind of yeah, a the, um, besides, famous clubhouse. Besides too. this one and probably TPC Harding Park, which was really deemed a TPC in the network like after the fact, you know, not a lot of soul in the TPC network. Scottsdale is TPC Scottsdale. Uh, yeah, it's in is. the network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm mm -hmm. saying like that though. That one is kind of a. I mean, it's, it's neat. A, I like it's it. Neat, nicer. It, uh, it definitely is. Uh, it's nice. It's not I mean, this. They're all, it's not this. They're all nice. I mean, yeah. There's not a golf course in the network that's not nice and well taken care of, but um, just not a lot. It's all you know, just kind of new golf courses that yeah. uh, don't have a lot of soul, but very again, very well done. And certainly has been a good move for the PGA Tour from a money-making standpoint, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, but there you go, T Tournament Players Club. How about that? Yeah, just uh, works out perfectly for the Players Championship, right? So we love the acronyms, TPC, uh, good stuff there. But uh, uh, favorite hole from each of us, right? So you you rattled off some of the more famous holes there, JT. And, of course, everybody, I think, even maybe more casual golf fans, I guess I blew probably, I probably aware of, uh, of 17 and the Island Green, which I think is technically more of an isthmus, right? So yeah. is, that, is that right? Isthmus or a peninsula? Peninsula? I don't know. So for our geography nerds out there, text us, tweet us, uh, let us know uh, the right. correct geographical term there. Definitely but still, not an island. Since still it's neat. 
uh, uh, regardless, right? But uh, favorite hole, you, you mentioned 16, probably your uh, favorite 16, hole, Jake Till? Uh, definitely, I'll, and I can come back to why. Uh, but, yeah, curious to hear you guys' thoughts on, on favorite hole. Scott? Well, you you kind of stole my thunder. I, I, I was going to say 16, but it's kind of the chalkish pick, right? So I went four, and you kind of already hit on it. But I just love seeing these pros really fight the placement of where they want to put their ball not only just on the drive, but on like pretty much every shot that they take to the green. Um, it's just a tough, tough hole to hit their probably circle that they aim in. And uh, I love the mounds on the side, like you said, on the where the fans are kind of a little bit more elevated, the fairways down a little bit, and they kind of get that. That scene guys, there, on guys. Don't four, so. don't don't overthink this, man. It's seventeen. You think so? so? Yeah. You you can call it a gimmick. You can like call four. it goofy or whatever. But think of all all the iconic moments that you remember from the TPC event over the last 10, 15, 20 years. However long it's been there, right? So you said seventy nine, eighty, whatever it was that it moved over. I mean that that hole is synonymous with this club, with this golf course, with this event. And so the fact that so often as well that those players in the final two, three pairings that have a chance to win, they come there with so much riding on the line. And you think, you know, in and of itself, if it wasn't surrounded by water, right, hitting the green from 130 yards, whatever it is, that's these guys do that nine times out of 10, probably 19 out of 20. But with the pressure associated with that, knowing that everyone around the world, not just the people there on the grounds, are watching what should be an easy shot, I mean, that whole is makes this tournament, I think. So I'm not going to overthink this thing. I'm going to go with the masses here. You guys can go with the uh, with the, the nerds, right, that, that are too cool to pick 17. I'm picking 17. 17's the hole here, guys. I mean, there, nobody can tell somebody else what yeah. their favorite thing is. Sometimes opinions are wrong. Yeah, no, no that's, that's totally not true. Uh, so I want to hear you break down 16 and why you uh, why you like it the most. Yeah, it's just a, one of the it's a classic risk reward par five i mean if you hit a good drive which you have to hit a good drive it's not a picture really it's not a bomb and gouge type of thing you either have to hit a towering cut over the trees on the left or you have to hit a absolutely perfectly placed draw around the trees going right to left uh i'll never forget jt's uh you know on purpose like duck hook that he hit on saturday and sunday kind of a low bullet draw around the edge to be able to hit it on the green in two. Uh, so <clears throat> I think this, this classic risk reward and, and it, you know, it's kind of interesting talking about favorite holes at a particular course. This is one that's played at the same place every year, obviously is right. a very big league tournament. You know, a lot of the holes kind of run together because they all have that, you know, Long fairway, white sand bunker up one side or the other. They, they do kind of run together. Four probably sticks out, like you said, Scott, yeah. because it is kind of distinct where it has the railroad, well, not railroad ties anymore, but um, distinctive water feature in front of it. And so, yeah, 16 is uh, it's a, I mean, it's a much better hole than 17 is. Uh, it's a much better hole than 18 is. And it really, the winner, by and large, is going to make their hay on 16. That's the make-or-break hole. Um, very few times do you have a disaster on 16 and ma- are able to make it up, you know, coming in. So it's kind of the last time that you can actually make a move. That that would be why I would pick 16 as the my favorite hole. Um, it's kind of like, where, where would I rather 
Now, in this case, the way it's set up, you could camp out and watch both 16 and 17 because the yeah. way that that's set up, yeah. which is super cool. That's the place to get, right? Um, but if, if, if let's, say, let's say that weren't the case, you know, there was trees in between the two holes. If I post it up, I'm going to post up on 16 because I'd rather watch that golf hole. That's how probably why it would be my favorite as it relates to this golf Spare. course. It's fair. Uh, well, you got something on the big board here, Jay Till, that talks about sawgrass kind of being a, a great equalizer, right? So what do you mean by that? You know, what, what are you talking about whenever you say it kind of levels the playing field, so to speak? Yeah, from a, kind of who wins, who, who ends up winning the tournament. You know, there, there are golf courses that favor, well, if you're, not, if you're not one of the bombers out there, you got no chance this week, right? Or if you don't have an amazing short game at Augusta, like, you got no chance this week where you can't say any one type of player right. is favored at TPC Scottsdale. Even, you know, even even ball striking is like, you, yeah, if you have a, if you don't have a good ball striking week, you're not going to win any tournament. But that's not, Colin Morikawa is not overly favored at TPC Sawgrass any more than he is anywhere else. And then on the flip side of that, it seems like nobody puts together a stretch of years where they have high finishes at the TPC, right? So it's like you look at, oh, I'm going to see, I'm going to base my picks on who plays well here. Well, it's like, you know, DJ will be a top five miscut, top 25, fifth. You know, no, nobody puts consecutive, you know. Yeah, I mean, look at Rory. Rory finished, I think, when he won it. And then the year, the next year, I think he he missed the cut at going to like plus seven back-to-back right, years. Right. I mean, you're, you're 100% right. Is You can see these elite golfers finish 14, 15, 16 under, but you're sitting there going, I could also see John Rahm finish plus four. Yeah. I, you know? I, I think it's a course that, and, and it's different than, um, you know, U.S. Opens, because U.S. Opens get a little bit fluky. Uh, British Opens get a little bit fluky. I think that you just don't look at Sawgrass and say, oh, well, somebody who is in the top yeah. 10 in ball striking always wins here. Or somebody who's in the top ten strokes gain, short game, always wins here. It's all over the, the map, map yep. right? I mean, yeah, I don't know. If I, if I had to, like, I mean, I'm just thinking about the last few winners, right? So JT won it last year. Yep. Nobody won in 2020. Uh, Rory won the year before that. Yeah, that was the event, right? We talked about it to where Matsuyama's leading after day one, yeah. right? And then they they canceled it. So. Right. COVID yeah, 2020. Right? Great. Yeah. Great. That's yeah. a trivia question. Yeah. Uh, so Rory, a uh, year before that, I think Webb Simpson was the winner. A year before that, Siwoo Kim, Jason Day, Matt Kuchar won. Yeah. So it's just kind of like it's all over the map. All those guys, tell me one thing that all those guys have in common. There's not something. So that's what I mean by if you could like circle sure. some sure. things, I would say guys that have really good long irons and wedges tend to play well here is how I would say you can't. And I'm, I fully agree with you that you can't just say, Oh, if you bomb it, you do well here. If you are really good around the green, you do well here. If you're the, the top 10 of putting you do well here. That's it. Doesn't, it doesn't work. JT is hundred percent right. But if you were trying to like hone into something guys that can put a ball pretty well with long irons and be Pretty good. I'd actually the stats back that up, and uh, so I would. Uh, that's that's where I would circle the things of. Well, because it's who like, wins this? Yeah, you know, Rory stinks with his wedges. That's been well documented, right? right. Uh, but when he won it, when he won it, the course was very soft. 
It was yeah. a very soft course when he won it. Yeah. Their so ball I, was not bouncing like it normally does. Well, yeah. per, and perhaps the you know unpredictable nature of the event is what leads us to getting close to calling it an unofficial. I will major, say right? so, this week, just a little bit of a since this is weather? our our sole preview, the, the weather is going to be spicy. <laughs> oh it is going to be spicy. It's been perfect weather in Jacksonville for the better part of two months, and. It's going to turn in a big way. Yeah. I think we got rain Thursday, Friday. 50s. Then we got the high, like 55 with a 20-mile-an-hour north wind. It is going to be yeah. spicy out there on over the weekend. I'm yeah. excited to see, again, carnage in a different way because it won't be set up like Bay Hill with the ridiculously thick rub right. and the baked-out greens. Yeah. It'll be a great setup. T, uh, the Players' Championship always has a really solid setup. The weather is good. And this is, remember, I want to say the third year that it's been in March. That's right. March yeah. versus May. It was in May for many, many years. Moved it back to March, and they've had really great weather. I think that, you know, I think it's two straight, two years. This is the third. But finally, I shouldn't say finally, we are going to get some of that unpredictable March weather, and it is going to be it's going to be spicy. It's going to be some overseeded Bermuda everywhere. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah, looking forward to it. Well, well let's get into it, guys. You know, we, we've, Danced around it. Unofficial, fifth major. Where do we stand on it? I, I think that we're probably all in agreement, right? So it seems that we are. There's only four majors. Yeah, man, this is tough. I'm going to let Scott start because I've, I've been talking a lot. Uh, yeah, I, this is not a major. I don't think it needs to be the fifth major. I would not be opposed to a fifth major, but I don't think the players is the answer. And I don't have the answer for you either. I was gonna, so what I, you're I'm saying gonna is, if, what, so is what you're saying is, if there was a fifth major, you, you would say it's not the players, correct? Yet you don't, you wouldn't be able to say now, what you would put in necessarily. That, yeah. That's what you're saying. Yes, the, the purse would suggest otherwise now, boys, right? Because it's it's gonna, a lot of money at stake this week, right? Absolutely, they're, they're paying it like a major. Well, and the PGA Tour largest purse. The PGA Tour would want you, yes, largest purse in of all time PGA outside history. of the Tour Championship, which factors Asterisk. in FedEx Cup money. Thank you. The PGA Tour would want you to believe it is a major championship. They promote it as if it's a big deal. So right? yeah. I here's here's one thing, and even since we were talking about this uh, yesterday at Chalk, that I thought about is that the currently the four majors are put on by an independent governing, for lack of a better word, body. That's right. 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 You have the RNA that puts on, the Royal yeah. and Ancient that puts on the Open Championship. You have the USGA that puts on the US Open. You have the PGA of America, different organization, the PGA Tour, that puts on the PGA Championship. And then you have Augusta National, which governs itself, that puts on the Masters. Right. So... That alone might make this, which is the PGA Tours flagship event, differentiate itself to not call it a major. Because the PGA Tour wants it to be considered a major, throwing all the money at it, you know, uh, all the money that's been put into to Sawgrass over the years. So that could be one in the one thing in the column right. of if there was going to be a fifth major, this might not be it. Maybe it's the, um, I don't even know if there is another governing body out there, but the Australian Open or the uh, 
hell, like the Canadian, some some other national open, uh, some other organization that kind of it's, you is not beholden to the PGA Tour. I mean, I'm, I'm not That's honestly. Fair. I'm just kind of yeah. throwing stuff no, out there because it's I fun like to talk about. It's a fair I point. I like where you're going. Um, it's that. That said, it's I. I, <laughs> I you could talk me into this being the fourth major, though. <laughs> I love. I like your point here. I like where uh, you're you. Going. Could, you could. You could talk me into that. The PGA Championship to me doesn't have as much juice as the Players Championship does, and so if you're going to Want the players to be a major, you sub it in for the PGA. So I'd not. How about I'm not going to let it be the fifth major, but I'd be willing to talk about it being the fourth major. Despite the and fact that we're, and we're taking off all week to go to Tulsa for the PGA Championship in May, right? So. <laughs> well, again, and honestly, that plays into it. PGA has not had good venues for um, traditionally, like as good of venues as the U.S. Open has. I would agree. The with Masters that. at the same yeah. place. Uh, the Open Championship kind of stands alone because it has that British Open yeah, rota, rota of yeah. courses. Right. And so, yeah, if, if the PGA starts keeps going to places like Kiowa and Southern Hills and kind of, you know, goes to more championship pedigree type courses, you know, then I then I kind of back off the PGA. Uh, but I uh, that, that could be an interesting take to be made. But I, I think each, I think, yeah, we uh, we put out a call for uh, why why do you think it should or should not be a fifth major, and uh, I think we're going to hear from uh, Hoppick, Justin Hoppick, friend of the pod, friend of the program, free contributor, and uh, I think he makes a good point on what why it would kind of cheapen it if it were the fifth major. I don't like the title fifth major because it takes away the importance of winning one of the other four majors. The more majors there are, five, six, seven, eight the easier it is to win because you have more chances to win and therefore it takes away the importance when you do win one and the meaning and and how hard it was to do that is the players one of the best non-majors arguably it is the best i look forward to it i love it it's fun to watch so yeah hop simple math right so the more that there are the less significance that it has i, I think a lot of people have have that type of rather simplistic view on it, right? So, hey, four is the number. We think about other individual sports, right? Tennis, there's four. Uh, yeah. You know, is, is, it, is, it, is it a pure numbers game to where, hey, look, yeah, if you have there's five, only one. If you have five, one, do you really one, have any? Yeah, you know, four right. per year. You only get four chances per year, you know, one per month yeah. from April, May, June, July, right? Whenever we think about that. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I can see pros and cons. I, I think if we were going to declare it a major, I would be okay with it. I think where it falls in the schedule now in March, moving it up to March, I think makes a lot of sense and kind of doing that reshuffling that took place two or three years ago. The PGA and the players themselves, I think, are really the, I should say not the PGA, the players themselves, I think, are the great indicators of when an event is special. And it's not just the money that goes into it, but I think it's the prestige that goes into it as well. Most of the players seem to treat it as if it's a major. Yeah, the, the field's it's, great. It's, it's going to be like fantastic. Field. Forty-eight yeah. out of forty-eight out of the fifty. Yeah, forty-eight of the fifth top fifty. Are yeah, playing the Shambo's one yeah. of them that it's is certainly right. it's yeah. certainly one of the five best fields of the year. Right now, I would a lot of times that. people say it's the best field of the year. Technically, by strength of schedule, that is not the case right. year in year out. In fact, sometimes the Open Championship uh, is above it. But I think that. 
Uh, first of all, great sultry tones from Hop there. I yeah, heard I mean, the, making uh, love to the microphone there, wasn't he? Goodness. That was take 47, I bet. Unbelievable. Good Ooh. job by him. Man. So I, I think that, yeah, the players uh, treat it with a high regard. And I, I think that ultimately if you put their feet to the fire and said you could only have four majors, would the players be in there? They'd probably say no. That's fair. Last thing I'll say is, I th- I like four. I'm all in on four. So Which if you ask me, is there a fifth one? I would just right off the bat say no. But could you convince me to have a fifth? And if there is going to be a fifth, then it needs to stop at five. So you better get the fifth one right if there is going to. Five's be. the number. You're capping it at five, huh? Yeah, like like. Just like Hop said, is like you can't get you can't go and do six. You can't go doing seven and eight. Oh, if yeah. there is going to be a fifth one, they better do it right, and it needs to be at a right place, and it needs to be well, done here, at the right time. Here's an interesting point, and I'll have this be my last word, in that it hasn't always been these four tournaments that were called major, major. Okay. championships. Yeah. At one point, it was the U.S. Open, the U.S. Amateur, the British Open, and the British Amateur that were considered the four majors. Augusta Augusta National Invitational, what it used to be called, the Masters hasn't always been considered a major. So, you know, I I totally get arguments around that. And, again, I just have it literally... I knew we ha- I knew we'd have this on the list because we talk about it every year because it is fun to talk about absolutely and it just this epiphany today of it's run by some you know at least the four majors are run by the governing bodies a governing, is a good editioning, point. Yeah, I like a, that. an outside governing body uh, versus this being the PGA Tour and it's kind of like how it's almost like self-appointing yourself well, as a to, major. To expound upon your point, and I think to further underline the point that I had about the players dictating what's a major and what isn't, I think you're right. Those four events, British, U.S., and then the two amateurs, it was because the field of players started to change and evolve over time, right? The best players weren't amateurs anymore, right? They were starting to get paid. Yep, they they yep. couldn't qualify for that. So I think whenever you have these tournaments to where 48 of the top 50 in the world rankings are there and they're going to be there. Now, again, you get into the Masters and you get guys that have won it in the past. So you get weird qualifying notes as to what dictates what might be the overall strength of field. But any event to where the top 50, 60 players in the world are going to be there every single year, you can set your watch to it, I think is in 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 the mix. I I'll totally agree. Way. And uh, straight from a up-and-coming Corn Ferry Tour player who has aspirations of being on the PGA Tour. Traded a couple DMs with our man, Quade Cummins. Big Q. Big Q. Straight up asked him, okay, what what are your thoughts? Is the players the fifth major? Not only, and I quote, I know the purse is huge at, and all, but I don't see it as a major. I don't even put it in the WGC category. It's just a really big tourney for the guys that get to play it, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. WGC has a great field as well. I love that match play event, too. What, that's coming up next month uh, or later this month. Yeah. yeah. So if the guys who, you know, Quaid, although he's got this sweet, you know, sweet sponsorship deal that's with Clubby. That's well said by him. That's well said by him. I've got to give him a little love there. Swaggy Q. I like the it. Premier, again, another quote from him the Premier PGA Tour tournament. Okay. Not well, fair major. enough. 
Well, we will put the debate to rest for now, and now it's time to get to the good stuff, boys. So we we can make some some. Well, no, before we do that, you had you had a note on the big board, Scott. So that that kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier with yeah. your boy John Rom. So Oop. going going into the event, you know, we know we know what the 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 official world golf ranking state right now, but who would be your number one? Vegas Vegas would seem to say Colin Morikawa. I mean, if you're looking, there. if you're, yeah, for this, I mean. Sorry, sorry real fast, because I have a sip of beer and I wasn't paying attention. What's the, what's the question on the table? Who, right now, in your eyes, not looking at anybody's formulas, you okay. make your own formula, who is your world number one? Who's your number one going into the Players' Championship? Yes, going gotcha. into the Players' Championship. Okay, very good, very good. And uh, who, who has first word? I'll, I'll go first, since it was my kind of question, and I'm going to go with the guy that has the most victories, the world number one right now is Scotty Scheffler. Oh, I am big on guys that have the wins right now. I don't care what you did for me last year. Scott, Scott year. thought Cincinnati was the best college football team in no, the world to go into this I year as not. well. I'd, so. I'd go Alabama, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it to him right now. Going to the players, the world number one golfer to me is Scotty Scheffler. It's Patrick Cantley. Pat Cantley, huh? Yeah. Right talk now. us through Pat Cantley. Uh, the events, the few events that he's played in, he's played exceptionally well. You can almost set your watch to it that he's going to be in the top, not not top ten, top five almost through this early part of the season. I think he's played enough events, maybe more, few more than Rory, few more than Colin Morikawa. Um, and when he when he has played, he's made a huge impact. So Morikawa could change that if he goes out and performs well this week. But I think you're making me pick going into the TPC this week. I'm going Pat Cantley. Well, it's not a bad pick. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean it's a if great... we're if we're talking, yeah, if we're talking up to the minute. Uh, I I would go call him or call like if it's if it's. Uh, It'd be my number two. You know, hot off the presses, it would be him. Uh, yeah, he was T uh, two yeah. at the Genesis. He was T five at the Century Tournament of Champions. Uh, going back into the end of last year, you know, I think top five at the uh, Tigers event. What's it called? Help me out. The Hero. So. In terms of absolute, like the most recent of recent form, definitely Colin Morikawa. Uh, I heard a great interview with him where he didn't come out and say it, but you could tell that he was about to say when asked the question, you know, what uh, does TPC Sawgrass suit your game? That it was like, what course doesn't suit my game? This is the perfect course Love for it. Colin Morikawa. Uh, they're all perfect courses. When you hit your irons, <laughs> your ball striking's that. When you hit your, in particular, I mean, your irons as well. As I don't want to get further than what I want to talk about, but yeah, that this course is set up and so again, well for him. What holds him back? This is putting. Typically, putting. This is putter. Twenty twenty one PGA Tours twenty twenty one twenty two wraparound season. Second strokes yeah. gain putting. Just again, small sample size, limited number of events. Small sample size, thing. but if we're uh, if, if the question is like up to the minute, yeah. who's the number one player in the world? I just don't think there's any question that it's Colin Morikawa. I think again, the long game. I think John Rahm is still the best player in the world because I think he has against that earlier less holes yeah. in his game. But if we're up to the minute, Colin Morikawa. Yeah. Love it, love it, boys. All right, well, let's get into some picks now before we make picks for the TPC this week. Get a look back to picks last week. And we're going to we're going to tweak things a little bit, right? Oh, so we're we're man. getting we're getting rid of the cut maker, right? J Till, that that's an 
unsexy pick, and I'm glad because Justin Rose was my cut maker uh-huh. this week at the Arnold Palmer, and uh, <laughs> he was terrible. He missed the cut. All the other three guys made the cut. Lee Westwood was my dark horse. Mark Leishman started off great on Thursday, as did a lot of guys, and then slowly got worse each and every day. After that, got to give credit to Jay Till. Obviously, he had the uh, the pick of... Give me Vic Hovland. Yeah, again, Finishes in second, so can't argue with that. Fleetwood, Thomas Pieters. Pieters made the and cut. Lucas Glover all made the cut. I, I all think, four guys uh, made the cut. Tom, Tommy Ladd made the cut, right? He did. Yeah, all four of them made the cut. So good, good on you, bud. So you you <sighs> win that. Glover, but man. what we're gonna do? Sunday. Great Sunday. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get rid of the cut maker because nobody cares about that pick, and we're gonna bring Scoots into the discussion going forward. Each of us gonna make three picks. We're gonna go a dark horse. We're gonna go a top tenner guy in contention, and then obviously we're gonna pick a winner as well and so how do we want to start this off jay till so you know again i think you have honors right so your picks definitely better than mine last week so i will defer to you my friend well that would mean it is time to pick you guys yet another dark horse while lucas glover excuse me as my dark horse did make the cut i'm ashamed of his performance on sunday uh not up to our standards a lot of guys had tough sunday dark horses uh this week my dark horse is Mito Pereira, and we're going deep. I could not believe that his odds to win were plus 28,000. Again, we need to do a little bit more digging to see if we can find some odds around, you know, top 10-ing or top 20-ing or something like that to give folks a little bit more of a sense because I had to go way down the board to find him. I knew it's Big the man. Big time value. I knew it was the man that I wanted to take. Uh, Mito has had a great... 2022 playing well uh players championship uh, i believe his first start doesn't scare me again total equalizer mito Pereira as my dark horse to play well at sawgrass 280 to one man tons of value there uh kick it back to you who's your dark horse uh, I'm going to go with a guy a little further up the food chain from an odd standpoint, but still qualifies, again, 100 or 1 to greater to win the overall event. I'm going to go Brian Harmon at 120 to 1 plus 12,000. Again, you guys know I've been nerding out on the stats, right? So we've been bringing all the stat feeds, could going it, into it. just like that pick more. Heavy, and uh, <laughs> so you're probably right. My picks, my picks have had mixed results here, especially the dark horse picks. Uh, but I'm going to go Brian Har- Harmon, nevertheless, at 120 to 1 plus 12,000 as my dark horse pick. Suck it, JT. You see, I got to let the listeners know that when I tell you guys, great pick, I really like that, that yeah. I'm not just fluffing you. It's kind of like no fluff zone here. Kind of like at home. You to roast me here in a second. It's kind of like at home. If 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 you're if you always tell the wife how you look great and you never say yeah, not 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 feeling that, then she doesn't believe you. So I gotta I gotta be honest with you, Brian Harmon, not not the guy I see doing well this week. But I hope I'm wrong because I love you so much. Wait for him to finish. I love you so much. Top ten this week, guaranteed. Scoots, um, you know. Yeah, it's, it's probably a little nervous for you making these you know big time picks. I love the dark horse. Blow it. Love the uh, dark horse. Dark horse player. Who you got for us? That's gonna make her make some noise. I'm going for a guy that is ten for ten on cut makes. Ooh. Uh, and I'm sure he's down the line. I have not actually even seen what his uh, odds are, but I'm going Russell Henley. Russ, big, big Russ, Russ Henley, Henley huh? as my I, dark horse. I see. I don't know. He's got to have better odds than 101, doesn't he? I don't know if he qualifies. Oh my gosh! Oh no! Like said, we have a oh, oh, he's 90 to one. Ninety to one. Er, look at this, look at this. Ninety Denied. to one. We're 
leaving this in. We're not editing this out because this I is this it. is Scoot's first first go around at the I official pick. It. So yeah. we're leaving it in it's, here. It's Can I go uh, denied? I'll take I'll take somebody else. I'm totally. I'm taking the Canadian Adam Hadwin. Ooh. Adam Hadwin. As now, I do thing. like that pick. I uh, do like that pick. I would have liked Russell Henley. I don't know what he was at, but just for the. I didn't realize. I thought I was just doing the winner. <laughs> so I did just picking these right now. Uh, but I do like Adam Hadwin uh, this week as a dark horse. 340 Darkest to one. Darkest of dark horses. Darkest. 34 Jet Black. Plus uh, horse. I do 000. think Mito will be very chalky pick on DraftKings this week. Uh, the value for him is fantastic. Yeah, those Love beeps that you up. hear in the background are me having to do a control F <laughs> to try to find Scott's picks because they're so off the board. Yes. So, All right, uh, let's buyer, stick with buyer you, beware. Let's, let's yeah. come right beware. to you. Top tenor, uh, I think he will have plenty of hey, inside this, this the... This one's a little uh, easier, Scott. Come uh, on now. Uh, Alex Norin. Snorin Norin. I think he's absolutely flushing the ball with his irons right now, playing very well. Uh, look for him. I definitely love the uh, bet of a top 15, but I will go... Top tenor, Alex Norton. Yeah, I look for him to be hanging out um, for sure with Brian Harmon. Plus 12,000, uh, twenty. He'll be hanging out with Brian Harmon at, uh, at Gallery Burrito there in so Jackson. Beach. you don't Beach. like this pick. Uh, do, not, there, do not, do not, do not like. There, I thought you were, like, loving it. Yeah, I threw, I threw, I threw I you, you off there. Al, Alex Norton uh, will be hanging out with not Brian a top Harmon. Tenor. Not a top tenor, unfortunately. Mm, mm, uh, mm. But, Keith, you know, what, what do you got for a top tenor? Uh, you know, my love for Billy Ho has been uh, professed on this podcast over the last month or so. I love somebody that's objective. He did did me well again uh, this past God week. God knows you can't right? love him so, for anything but his play. Uh, yeah, his uh, post-round interviews are, are hard to watch. And so, you know, I really struggled. Uh, I'm going to change it up just a little bit, but I'm going to pick another guy that's right on the same number. Love Billy Ho, but he's not going to be an official pick this week. I'm going to go with a guy who won just a couple weeks ago, Joaquin Neiman, at plus mm. 4,800, 48-1. I don't think it was a Value. fluke. Don't think it was a fluke at the Genesis guys. So I think he's going to have a really, really good year. Again, the stats love him. The numbers love him. I think he's going to play well. And so he is my top tenor, Joaquin Neiman at 48 to one. I, I do like that pick. I think that uh, Joaquin is in good form, should play well uh, this week. I am going to go it's a little bit of an interesting deal here. I was, Shocked again, small sample size, right? 2022 overall strokes gained, right? So, you know, they, they break out strokes gained, driving, approach, putting, short game, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, for the last like six years, the overall best in strokes gained has been John Rom. So, if you go 2021 calendar, yeah, John Rom, that. that's why he's the world number one. Number one in 2022, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Give me Matthew Fitzpatrick for my top 10 lock here at the players. Yeah, the Englishman. I like that pick. I like that pick. Finished top 10 here last week. Last year, excuse me. uh, 36 to 1, plus 3,600. Sorry, I had that written down right here. I could have told you. That would have been nice. There you have it. Uh, so top tenor, Matty Fitzpatrick, the Englishman. Uh, Well, snake draft. Snake draft. So you get the honors picking your winner. How about this for a stat, guys? Nobody who has won the Players' Championship the last 10 years, the last 10 winners of the Players' Championship, have not finished inside the top 15 the previous year. Wow, good stat. 
have we'll not re- have not finished the previous year. Um, I guess. If you finished in the top fifteen, you did not win the players' championship the next year. That rules out such favorites as Justin Thomas, when Taylor Gooch, John Rahm, Daniel Berger, all finished in the top fifteen. You don't want to go there, guys. I went there. When somebody's hot, I'm going to ride them. Give me Vic Hovland. Oh, give me give me Vic Hovland. Plus 1,700 to win the Players' Championship. I had him last week. He should have got it done this week. This Talk about, again, nobody really totally fits TPC Sawgrass. Besides Morikawa, I think Vic Hovland's about as close as it gets because when he's on with the ball striking, it's going to be a game changer. Vic Hovland to win the Players' Championship. Hutter looked shaky yesterday. I'll put it that way. It's going to be great. Got to be good with the wedges around the green. State, yeah, I'm rooting for him. I just not if you don't hit it. Not if you hit it. On hey, the it's green. fine to poo-poo. He poo-poos our picks. You can yeah, poo-poo those picks. Right? So, I mean, hope we're wrong. A lot of, a lot of things going wrong. against him this week. I think for old Vic. All right, well, coming back to me, third break play in the world going for him. Snake draft. I like it. Not gonna overthink this. I'm going chalky of the chalky chalk chalk chalky. Colin Morikawa at 11 to 1 plus 1100. Again, we talked about all the reasons why this course sets up perfectly for his game. Again, probably not a lot of courses that don't. Uh, I think he's going to have a fantastic carryover from that Open Championship last year over into this year. I think he's going to start playing more, obviously, as we get to the bigger events. Uh, Morikawa is my pick at 11 to 1. Not going to overthink it. Zero arguments. Can't. (laughs) I got nothing for you. Uh, my turn, my lat the for the winner. Um, I think he finished here eleventh last year. You're so screwed. You're on uh, old Jonathan Teal's formula over there, I am definitely not the winner here. So streaks are made uh, to be broken. But I'm gonna go. I really wanted to go Morikawa, but I went again. I'm going against myself here. I'm going for a guy that absolutely loves money. Money. Brooks Kepka. Phil Mickelson. Oh, Brooks Kepka is going to win this thing, forty-eight to one, I believe. Uh, wow! Same odds as Joaquin Neiman and Billy Ho. Just saying. I think a lot of things here mentally wow. very strong, very strong. Loves money, no doubt about that. Um, I just got a feeling here. I think this is Kepka's Kepka's turner to win. Interesting. Interesting. I, like it. I, 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 I hope don't he's hate there. It. I hope I he's in contention. Don't hate it. It's it's fun whenever he's there. It is. Oh, yeah. I want him to be there. Yeah. Talk about what would be just an elite Sunday if you could somehow get Morikawa, Hovland, and Brooks. I mean, talk about three different personalities, three different people. How about Scott coming in hot, too, bringing some value? You got Hadwin at 340 to one, Alex Norwin at 120 to one, and then his winner is 48 to one, Kepka. Everybody looks brilliant on Mondays. Everybody (laughs) looks brilliant. (laughs) Love these picks. Tons of value. (laughs) Tons of value here, listeners. Get in, throw a couple shekels on those three. You know, Keith, I will say that although Major Mondays does not start until the Masters, we will be, if you happen to listen to this fresh out of the box here on Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, we will be at Chalk on Wednesday, March 9th, having some lunch, doing our longstanding fantasy draft. If you come see us, we'd love to see you at Chalk for lunch. Certainly get there on Thursday and Friday. The players will be all over the big screens there at Chalk. Great place to watch golf on Players' Championship weekend. Yep, absolutely. And uh, for the Dirty Birdies picks as well, right? Yes. So, again, 
So Scoots and uh, our man 2G does a great job going DFS, right? So these picks are obviously to win it outright, but Scott and Chad go over all the DFS picks and all the angles and uh, things to consider there. Obviously, you can join that contest. Again, that's filling up pretty quick right now, so you're going to have to expand that thing. We will. But uh, you can go to fantasysportspros.com, scroll down to the bottom to the weekly pick segment, which you'll see these great picks, these nine picks that we just gave you, all of them stellar picks. Adding Scott to the mix there. The link to join the DraftKings Dirty Birdies contest there. Pay your take rent, you direct, those right. directly to the uh, the contest. Looking forward to listening to the Dirty Birdies pod this week, but and seeing who you and Chad picked. Appreciate it. Looking yeah, forward to that. Uh, it's gonna be a good week. Good yeah, to be a absolutely. Fun, fun Plugs. Week. Plugs, throw it out there. How can our listeners get at you, Scott? How can they get at Dirty Birdies? Yep. Let's let's hear it, man. At ScottyG21 on Twitter, at Dirty Birdies DFS on Twitter. It's really the two best that I uh, check. I am on Instagram. I believe it's uh, sgurs 31 over there if you want to see some photos of some great uh, bags and golf courses that yeah, every once bags. in a while we'll get to play. So, One thing we will be talking about, at YSO Golf, because that's the next question you're asking is where can they get at us? Beat me to the punch. Yep. Out on Twitter for the podcast. That's at YSO Golf. We will be discussing the quota game this weekend, kicking off again. I mentioned Supercell season kicks off. Scott, what's your handicap checking in at right now? Uh, I think I'm on 11. 11. I am also rounding to an 11, 10.7. 13 here. The quota game any any predictions on you know plus minus to quota you never played trosper park i've never played trosper so uh I don't know what technically is at trosper but i would bet it's somewhere right there at 11. so you know we'll see what happens in the quota game but this is big this is this it it, it counts right it March, counts right we're at tpc we are here golf it all starts start, counting. it all starts counting and uh boy could my game not be in worse shape for it <laughs> but i'm happy to report because i'm always accountable at yso golf for all things podcast, fairway files. It's going to be a great weekend. Love it, bud. Love it. And, of course, here uh, at the Sports Pros Network, you can check us out on the web at fantasysportspros.com or you can follow us on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that is pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Guys, we're in March. It's psycho weather time here in the state of Oklahoma. Right, We're used to it at this point, so we've been here for a long, long time. So you got some decent weather days this week. you got some poopy weather days this week but the extended forecast for next week the week after the tpc looks pretty sexy does looking forward to it pretty sexy and so hunker down one more week ladies and gentlemen and then after that get out there and enjoy the walk (laughs) 